0: Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to the Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you nationwide from the
1: Bass Edge Studios. Here we are once again, loving me some Bass Edge Radio. That's right. Bass Edge Radio, October 15th. The show is starting now. What's up, Aaron? How's it going, bro? Uh,
0: It's going well. A Busy,
2: busy time for, I think, for both of us, you know, trying to get my tackle in shape, get everything ready for this next tournament. I know you're doing the same, and certainly you're probably knocking the dirt off of your megaware keel guard off the bottom of your (laughs) boat, shining up your flex step and polishing your skin. Skag Protector. And of course, we're talking about our partners at MegaWare KeelGuard. Be sure to visit them at keelguard.com.
1: That's right. If you couldn't tell by my opening, the coffee is flowing this morning, buddy. (laughs) Well, that's because you're excited to get out there and potentially sweat. That's right. I got the U.S. Open coming up and we'll get to that. But more importantly right now to me is I got to let everybody know Central Pro-Am Elite Series, Aaron Martin, as every fisherman all ways is never satisfied with their standing unless it's number one but but you, you ended up 20th place for the year dude you got a big tournament coming up in a few days you're going to palm de tear in missouri fishing the classic for the pro-am elite series 40 guys gonna win someone's gonna win hopefully aaron martin a nitro boat. What do you think, bro? You ready for
2: it? I'm ready. I'm excited. It's a great time of year, right? Late October, leave uh, out on the 22nd. Uh neat thing about this one is two days is on Palm de Terre, but then we do not find out where the final day, you have to make the top, uh, I believe it's the top 12 or top 15 cut. They will thin down the herd, as we like to call it, and you'll either be making the walk of fame or the walk of shame to advance on <laughs> to a mystery lake that none of us know where we will actually be going. So, uh, big, big different twist, but you know what, Kurt, when you've got a nitro boat on the line, uh, it's always nice to add a different layer of competition to it.
1: That's right. You could say you got a one in 40 shot. Although if Vegas were odds, I'm going to say you've got a better chance than that because you have done so many Bass Edge radio episodes. You have knowledge that most only wish they came across. So I got my money on you, bro. I can't wait to see what happens. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing those Facebook photos of you with that brand new nitro winning the
2: tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you know, my history with social media, but I will make a Facebook post when I win that thing. If that actually happens, that'll be, that'll just be our side bet, but you've got a big event coming up. Actually the U S open, right? I mean, conditions can be tough, can be brutal, big lake, big body of water against some of the best sticks in the United States. So talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, dude. So I am super excited for me. This is one of the iconic bass fishing tournaments of just bass fishing history in general. Uh, you look at the past winners, John Murray, Rick Klund, Mike Folkstead, Byron Velvic, uh, Aaron Martins, uh. Psh- Cliff Perch. I mean, on and on and on. Dave Glebe, you know, throwbacks. So, uh, dude, I am super stoked. I've never been to Lake Mead. I'm excited about the whole entire event, excited about the last couple days and practice. And, man, I'm just excited to get this thing going, man. I mean, it's the freaking U.S. Open. So, really cool format. You've got the AAA side and the pro side. It's a shared weight deal. So, I'm um, really excited about that as well. I've never fished in a tournament like this. So this is going to be a lot of fun. We're doing some promotion here with Hayabusa Fishing Hooks, so that's fun as well. We'll be seeing everybody at the sponsor showcase and doing a lot of fun like that. But uh, the fishing itself, I think, is going to be a little bit better than some of the other U.S. Opens. It's a little later in the year. Typically, they've been fishing this tournament in the heat of the summer or in that September time frame, and now they've moved it into October. It's really allowed a lot of other guys to be involved in the uh, tournament this year year some of the national pros you know flw guys like myself and many guys from the elite series side so big event us open make sure you check it out i think that all of the weigh-ins will be live either on one bass.com or they the guys from um bass zone are helping out with everything so of course mark jeffries matt pangrack helping them do the live stuff so you might be able to see some of this on bass zone as well but um yeah man us open i'm ready to rock and roll should be fun
2: Speaking of rocking and rolling, let's head over to the protecttheharvest.com tackle tip and let's keep this thing moving forward. We'll be right back.
1: The ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with Bass Edge host, Aaron Martin.
2: This week's Tackle Tip, I wanted to focus on something that was made extremely popular, which is the Whopper Plopper. Now, obviously, that bait has been covered forwards, backwards, and sideways, but one of the things that I think is often overlooked is what type or what speed more importantly of reel to throw it on certainly throwing it around the ozarks on table rock lake the ozarks bull shoals in that area i've found great success by actually working that bait as fast as what i can possibly reel it and what makes that a lot easier is using an eight three to one gear ratio reel i throw it on a seven foot 11 inch rod big broomstick it's actually a a big swim bait rod because you're making those long casts but then i can actually burn that thing it actually looks like a motorboat coming back through the water and when the fish unload on it they are hooked up and it generates strikes i think that often you would not get by running at a slower pace so keep that in mind maybe tie up a lose eight three to one gear ratio reel and burn that as quickly as what you can on those windy rocky flat banks and you're going to have more success
0: Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17'4" up to 21-foot-2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17-foot-4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21, at 21'2" in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Klun, and Ott DeFoe. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made.
1: We're back and uh, talking about a little bit bank kayak fishing stuff here Aaron we got new products on the table
2: absolutely I have not had the chance to put my hands on this Kurt but uh, I understand when we get all those listener questions in you know talking about the bottom composition or that they know that bass are in the particular pond or in the stream perhaps that they're fishing but maybe because of mobility you're
1: a little bit limited this could be the saving grace this is definitely the saving grace Lorance comes out with a castable sonar they're calling it the fish hunter and uh, this This castable sonar actually goes through a Wi-Fi connection between the transducer and your smartphone or tablet, gives you the water temp, depth, bottom contours, images of fish and structure. Man, this thing is super cool. So if you're a bank angler and you're wanting to know, hey, where is the brush pile out here? I'm feeling this thing. How far does it go? Or you don't know where some cover is or what the depth is. You know, how long does this point go out? It looks like this drops off quickly. But it's hard to tell. You don't really know. You're trying to count down your bait to tell the depth. No more do you have to deal with this. You can graph your entire lake on your smartphone with the Lawrence castable sonar. I think this is really cool. You know, we've seen a lot of setups with kayaks with traditional sonars. And um, I think this really takes some of those kayak anglers to the next level that want to learn some stuff about their lake, but really aren't ready to take it over the edge and go full flung into the bass fishing technology craziness, you know, the two or $3,000 units and that kind of stuff. And for 150, 200 bucks, man, you can jump on this castable sonar from and Kurt, I see it as
2: an opportunity, you know, even with people that maybe have a dock, right, a courtesy dock or a fishing dock, of that whether it's their private lake or a public lake, or, you know, there's floating docks or stationary docks all over even public lakes that maybe you don't have, maybe you have a personal watercraft, right, Or and you're standing off the end of your dock trying to make a cast or as you're walking down, you know, hitting some of these docks. Just think how important of a tool that can be just to understand maybe the creek arm that you're in or standing out off the end that dock and wondering, why do I always catch fish? Is there a brush pile out there? Is there a rock
1: pile? So as we know, knowledge is power. It, it is totally. And you can actually create your own custom map with this system, you know, so that it's going to show you the contours, you know, and show you what's going on underneath the water. So let's say that you live on a small lake or that you constantly fish your local pond or whatever it might be. You could use the Lawrence Castle Sonar to make a map of this particular. Lake, so you can have detailed information. That way, what can you do with that information? Know exactly where the fish might be moving to or moving from based on seasonal patterns. So, a huge way for you to maybe understand, like you said, that creek that you live on on a particular lake, or that particular creek that you fish often because it has good access for bank fishing or kayak fishing, or also that local pond that's around the corner, that's you know a mile or two from the house, or or maybe ten miles, or that pond that's got the biggest fish that you've ever seen in it. And you can tackle it a little bit different with this product. So I think a huge deal for bank fishermen and kayak fishermen, something that Lorance is uh, trying to push the envelope on. And uh, I think it's a pretty awesome product.
2: Yeah, speaking of tackling and somebody else that's good with the electronics, we have him on the line right now, Northern Angler extraordinaire who uh, made the elites qualifying through the opens yet once again. He's dialed up. Let's tune in.
3: Hey, you got professional angler, David Mullins. This is SLW Tour Pro, Bradley Hallman. I'm
2: professional angler, John Carr.
3: Bass, Bass, Elite, Series Angler, Keith and Baby, Cliff Crochet.
0: This is Bass, Elite, Angler, Chris Lane. This is Bass University Pro, Pete Gluzak on Bass Edge Radio. We'll be right back.
1: This Michigan angler has the best beat on the Northern Opens than any other pro angler on tour. He's re-qualified for the Elite Series through the Northern Open for the second time in just two years and looks to begin his trek back to the Elite Series for 2018. Welcome to the show, Chad Pipkins. Good to have you back, Chad. I'm doing well. Hope hope you guys are doing well. How are
3: we? Uh, Doing great.
2: Glad to have you on here because in my book, and in so many others for that matter, you are the smallmouth expert. And this year, you handled a Northern Open schedule. That was, quite honestly, Chad, it was fairly Southern impoundment dominated. Just really good to see that and and would like to kind of pick your brain on what that means for you to requalify for the Elite Series yet again from the Open events.
3: Yeah, I need to switch that back over and uh, transfer that, that qualification to the Elite Series and start kicking some butt over there. That's what I need. <laughs> most importantly but uh, you know it feels good i mean I, uh, I think i've won the points twice and requalified three times and uh it makes me feel like you know i know i belong but i still need to put it together and make sure i belong over there because until i have a few good years you know I'm on the chopping block every year. I think I would have got in a couple times, you know, these years because I'm I'm like right on the bubble. But it's just not fun to wait around. You know, you put yourself in that position and it's hard to deal with sponsors and stuff at the end of the year if you don't know for sure or if you're depending on somebody else to let you in or to decline, you know. So it's nice to keep the ball in your court and uh, I just need to take control on the other side in the Elite Series as well.
1: It is a very tough position to be in. I I have been in that position a couple times before and then uh, ended up switching over to the FLW Tour for being in that position. So um, you know, one thing I really want to dive into is a lot of anglers are talking about elite anglers not being able to fish the opens. Um you, you hear that a lot of banter with some of the open competitors. You know, your situation is a prime example is why that is totally the craziest thing ever thought of, in my opinion. I mean, you're a professional fisherman, you fish for a living, whether it's you're fishing the Elite Series or you're fishing an Open Series or a Costa Series or the FLW Tour, for that matter. Anglers in this sport, as much as we want to think is just you know some financial windfall once you hit the Elite Series or FLW Tour, it's just not the case, right? So tell us a little bit about your position and Elite Anglers fishing the Opens and why that is so important for that team. Yeah,
3: I'm glad you agree because, I, you know, I might step on somebody's toes or maybe upset somebody a little bit that doesn't fish full time. But 100 percent, we need to be allowed to fish the opens and, uh, you know, the costas and, and that I call it it's like triple A fishing. It's like that middle grounds where the guys that are trying to be up and coming. If you want to fish and compete against the best, you need to be fishing against the best. And for us, it's still another avenue for me. Career-wise, I've requalified a couple times. It's been huge for me. There's also Bassmaster Classics at birth, which is the biggest thing in fishing that there is. You know, we've got a couple championships. And if you're going to be able to compete for that, you know, some of the so-called best anglers in the world, they should be allowed to compete as well. Same thing as far as if you got guys down, you know, on the lower end. You know, there's the federation. If you don't want to compete against, you know, Elite Series guys, I agree. There should be some sort of level, maybe in the Bass Federation, or you've got like Walmart BFLs, like that kind of stuff. agree. You know, maybe an FLW Tour pro or an Elite Series angler should not be allowed to fish that. But when it's like that triple A level, I think it's the middle grounds where it's kind of like, you know, a free for all. And a lot of those guys that are there are are trying to compete to make the Elite Series. And, you know, if you're going to compete on the Elite Series, well, guess what? You should be able to beat some of the Elite Series guys and FLW Tour guys that are fishing that. And you look at like hockey and baseball. I mean, it's AAA stuff. A lot of times you see somebody in hockey get uh, pulled down to their uh, their club team or you see them get pulled down into baseball to the minor leagues and they get their rhythm back. They get their swing back. And for me, I've noticed that anytime I've done well, it's when I get in that northern swing. Fishing is 100% decision-making. I mean, you're making good decisions. You just fish well. And a lot of times you need a couple good, you know, an open tournament. You bust the top 10, and you, all of a sudden you get mentally going. You're like, I can do this. This is ridiculous. I'm like, make the decisions you know how to make. But you start fishing freer, and that transfers over to the Elite Series. And for me, that's why I've tried. I was fishing the Southern Opens last year, but I broke my hand in the fall and had to back out. And I think that will help me a lot because hopefully I can get into that rhythm earlier You know, and work on some things I'm not as good at. Also get into that rhythm, and it's because of it the opens, you know. Well, guys, it's
2: not exactly like we're talking about. You know, you fish the opens. It's not like you're going all the way down to uh fishing in a barrel. I mean, it's all of us have done it. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're fishing against some of the top locals and some of the top guys in the region and the national guys. So, I mean, you still got to bring your A game.
1: Yeah, they're, they're exactly. I, I definitely wanted to uh, tip the hat on that deal because uh, I do think it's really important. I know a lot of Bass Edge listeners can go both ways on their feeling on that, but I just wanted to give that perspective from a guy and from myself as well that that do fish full-time, and I think it's important, and I'll just leave it at that. I just wanted to touch on that. I appreciate that response, Chad, and it just shows how important it is for a guy that is fishing full-time. As Chad mentioned, he's been able to uh, continue fishing the Elite Series now two years in a row because of his open qualification, and, um, you know, dude belongs. You know, he's shown it many, many times, and uh, you're going to tackle it. I know you qualified for the Classic a couple years ago through the Elite Series, and, and that was off of a win that you had there at St. Clair, wasn't it? Um,
3: I actually qualified from the Open off and win, and then I did qualify once through the points as well. The, the second Classic, that came from getting on a roll in the Open. That was the year, I think, a couple top tens in the Open, and you just get rolling, you know, that's what it's about.
1: Yep, I think we've seen the same thing with uh, Seth Fighter. He's been on the show before, and Seth got on a roll last year, went up into his hometown territory, I guess you might say, up there in Minnesota and did really well on the uh, Mississippi River, backed it up with a Millax win at the AOI Championship last year, and then, man, this year just lit it up on fire. So uh, We've seen that situation several times, and um, I'm sure 2018 Chad's going to be your year again, so uh, we're looking forward to seeing that. I'm ready for it. i got to tell you, I heard a uh, story recently, and um, I'm kind of turning that story into my own thought process, and I, and I feel like maybe you've been a part of Brandon Polynex winning the 2017 Elite Series Angler of the Year title. And a part of that is because I've spent a little bit of time around you. You're always the most positive guy ever, whether you've had a tough day, a great day. You could never tell what your day was like based on fishing because of your attitude, because it's always the same. It's always super positive, very upbeat. And um, I feel like, you know, I've heard this year through some of the other elite anglers that you rubbed off a little bit on Brandon Palahniuk and and uh, kind of kept him in a good positive aspect throughout the year. Tell me how important it is to you to keep that positivity and what it means for you and your performance in this game. Well, if
3: some of that positivity did rub off on Brandon, I, I hope next year some of that uh, the decision <laughs> makes will rub off on me. We can you know split the difference. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's huge, man. Like I said before, in fishing, decision making is 190, you know, 95% of the game. I mean, if you make the right move you will catch fish but if your head's not clear you're not going to catch fish you know and and that the same thing goes like on a sponsor level like people like to be around people that they enjoy people like to be around positive people that make them feel good nobody wants to be around somebody that's a stick in the mud that that drags them down So, like, the way I look at it, man, we are fishing for a living. One of the coolest things you could possibly do. Yes, you're going to have some terrible days, that I would rather be doing any other job because, one, the other job is going to be paying money, and we might be spending money. But in the end of the day, you're still getting to do what you love to do, and you just got to be happy about that. And so you look at it like every day you learn something, every day you have a good day out there. But if you don't catch a few fish, it's not the end of the world. You need to pick your head up and get after it the next day. And I just feel like... That's how you get out of those slumps. Like, guys get in slumps for, like, years. And I think that's part of it. You get negative, you get down on yourself. But if you can stay positive, maybe your slump only lasts an event or two events or maybe a half of an event but you can get back up ride the horse and keep rolling
2: (laughs) that's good stuff right there you know and chad here we are uh talking about positive things i'm assuming the latter part of october is bringing some great fishing up there in michigan what uh you know smallies that were four pounds and probably now five pounds what are your favorite techniques to chase late fall smallmouth
3: yeah i mean it's funny a lot of the same techniques work you know drop shotting and tubing and stuff but the cool thing about it is a lot of times those fish are feeding up and in the fall so you can pick up a big swim bait or a crank bait and really cover some water because if you get around them they want to eat sometimes they group up tighter so maybe they're a little harder to find but when you do find them, you can just blast them and just catch not only big fish, but catch piles of fish, which is never
1: anything wrong with that. You use a lot of spinner baits and stuff, jerk baits. Uh, you talked about big swim baits. Can you go a little bit more in detail about some of those maybe bigger fish techniques yeah. that you like to use up there this time of year?
3: Yeah, for sure. Like for me, I, I love throwing a crankbait, obviously. I throw that little DC 300 from Domeke, and I, I just, it's about covering water in the fall. Whether you're throwing a swim bait or a crankbait, you, you want to cover the water to find the fish because, again, they're going to eat. You know, if you're throwing a swim bait, you know, those fish a lot of times move shallower in the fall too, which is nice because the bait moves shallower. So you don't have to be out there dragging a drop shot around because sometimes in the summer they just get kind of lethargic and they're out there, but they're just milling around and you just got to get one to bite or hit them on the head. In the fall, they want to eat, so like they're going to chase your bait. So you can get up and, you know, cover some grass edges or some shallow rock lines, whether that be with a swim bait, you know, a spinner bait or a jerk bait, but generally it's something that is you know moving or mimicking a shad which is primarily the forage that they get going on in the
1: fall right you know one trend we saw here toward the last couple of elite events is big baits uh you saw the lee boys uh, i think it was matt lee that started and kind of shared it with jordan but he was throwing one of the you know some kind of like big fluke style bait from strike king and then you know keith Combs was over there at millax and uh, he was jacking them with a one ounce football J with a full-size rage crawl you were talking just a minute ago about throwing some big swim baits for smallmouth is there a trend to move to a bigger bodied bait to catch bigger smallmouth so that you can either one just target a bigger fish or two win more events
3: yeah i think there is but i think like anything else it, it goes in cycles i think the big thing is it's just different they haven't seen it a lot you know what I mean? And it's the same thing. Like, I had buddies that won a ton of events on St. Clair the last couple of years. They a teeny little spy bait. Well, it's a small spy bait, it's not like a huge profile, but it's just something unique. I mean, pretty much all the time when we're on the water, when we think we're around fish or we're marking fish on our graph, we are. They're down there. They just choose winter when they don't want to bite. So, if you can show them something different, sometimes it's like a big giant crawfish meal or like that big perch meal, you know, resembling like the that larger fluke-style bait that those guys were drop shot. They just... They don't see it a lot, and I think that gives some of those different strikes. But in the end of the day, sometimes it could be if everybody starts doing that, you're still going to get some bites. On some of those smaller baits and catch big fish as well.
1: You know that's true. And one other thing I wanted to tap into your mind here, being the smallmouth expert you are, is um the tube versus the drop shot, right? I mean, uh, the tube kind of long forgotten. You know, we saw a couple years ago. I think it was actually you and and maybe JBD were cracking a tube out on the St. Lawrence River to uh, have you know a high quality finish. But really, it kind of is way in the background compared to a drop shot. And then Jason Christie, of course, won. Claire this year uh, dragging a tube on a bait caster. Anyway, I wanted to get your opinion drop shot versus tube, when to use it, how to kind of look at using it, and what are some of the variations of the two that you seem important to have success with them?
3: Yeah, for sure. They do. Sometimes they, you know, it doesn't matter what you're throwing down at those fish, but, but other times it's very specific. And the big thing for me is, you know, I like to start with a drop shot because your hookup ratio to landing ratio is probably like 95% or better. I mean, most of the fish you get to bite, you should be catching. And tube I've tightened up my you know techniques and rod and reel and that's got kind of a little bit better as well but you're still going to lose fish due to that you know weight in the mouth for me the smallmouth stuff and the drop shot I like it to be more specific I'm targeting a small rock pile or if I'm targeting like a little current seam or something like that that I have to be very specific with my cast that's where I like to throw that drop shot when I can a lot of other times with that tube it's just getting it out there and covering some water with it you know the drop shot is not designed to really cover water for it when you have found fish that's when you catch them drop shotting but the tube you can actually cover some water you know like you said christy you know whether you're dragging the tube on a big jig head or you're cracking it those are ways you can cover some water and also get some reaction strikes you now the only time you get a reaction strike on a drop shot is on the initial fall outside of that it's the fish visually seeing that coming to the bay versus that tube every time you're snapping it up off the bottom if there's a fish in the area you might get them to react and start showing interest so on St. Clair, where you're on big grass flats as long as that bottom's clean you can crack that tube around the other place where the drop shot shines is when you get on Areas, you know, where the bottom may be a little bit slimy. Yeah, you know, that's where you need that drop shot to, you know, keep the bait up off the bottom just a little bit to keep your bait clean. So those are definitely different areas where you know I just throw one versus the other.
1: Well, that's a great tip. I think a drop shot in a lot of anglers' boxes. The tube has left the building a little bit. We need to re-enter that into a, a lot of tackle boxes going forward. So, uh, for all of you smallmouth gurus in 2018, don't forget about that tube. And uh, those are some great tips, Chad. Appreciate that. Bass Edge Radio is going to take a short break as we. Chat with BASS Elite Angler Chad Pipkins in this episode. Oh,
0: oh, oh, O'Reilly. Eventually, it's going to happen. You'll turn the key and your engine won't start. Don't lose your ability to get around. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts for a superstar battery. Whether it's a reliable economy, hardworking premium, or powerful extreme, you'll find it at an everyday low price. Don't let a dead battery slow you down. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
2: Auto parts. <laughs> Bass Edge Radio, powered by Mercury Marine, returns with Bassmaster Elite Series angler Chad Pipkins in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil, high-performance marine products from real oil to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements. Visit them at
1: lucasoil.com. It works. Chad, you mentioned a little bit earlier in the interview uh, you were fishing the Southerns. You had a arm issue. Uh, how did you, you you broke your arm? Is that what happened? Uh, I got
3: engaged, man. I, I hope it's not a sign of things to come, but I actually <laughs> while getting engaged out in Colorado. There's a small bone in the base of your thumb called the scaphoid and you pretty much can't hold anything without it. I couldn't turn my car or start my car for 10 weeks, so I broke that snowboarding.
1: Unbelievable. Well, I wanted to transition that into, you know, southern impoundments. Obviously, you know, fishing the Elite Series, that's a big part of the season. You always do exceptionally well. You did well in the southern impoundments this past fall in the northern opens. That is a misnomer. Northern opens was not northern this year, but anyway. That's another thing. So in the off season, you know, late fall, um, like we are here now, winter season, early spring coming up next January, February. Do you try and step away from your home ground in Michigan and do some fishing in the southern impoundments, or um, do you just kind of step away from the whole sport this time of year?
3: Yeah, uh, one, I think it's good to just step away for a little bit. I mean, a lot of guys talk stuff, and I, I enjoy that too. Also, I think it's important to be financially sound, so I, uh, I go home and sling some paint. I run a little paint company as well, which I think is – is, uh, you know, helps your decision-making. You're not stressing about every last check. So there's things I need to work on. I know that, and that's why I intended to fish the Southerns last year. And I'm looking forward to the new open schedule this year, having three events down south. And the big thing for me is, is kicking it off earlier. You know, getting down and having that first event before the Elite Series. And for me, every tournament I did well in and the others where I just missed a check, I noticed, like, I fished the week before. Maybe we had one week off in between events, and instead of going home, I stayed down and fished locally on a neighboring lake. And I think that's what I'm going to change this next year. I don't think you need to fish all fall because fall fishing is a different beast in itself. But I think it's important to get down there and to kind of get in a rhythm, you know. And maybe we're going to Toledo Bend, let's say. Maybe I slide over to Rayburn and spend a few days, you know, before that tournament. That way I've got a few things in my mind because it's just such a small margin between good and bad. I mean, the events where I finished 80th to 100th, like it's right there and it's it's frustrating, but it's good because it's not a big change. I need to pick up on something a little bit quicker. And I think, you know, fishing, like you said, down south a little more that's going to let me make that decision maybe the second day in practice as opposed to the end of the first day of the tournament you know it just seems to take me a little longer but I'm going to get over that and it's going to be good
2: I totally think you will Chad and and which I guess bodes for the question you know a lot of guys have moved from the west coast out east completely relocated geographically have you ever thought about you know taking a hiatus and picking up and moving for a year to go through all the seasons and really concentrate like some of the other anglers have done to actually live on a lake down south or is that something you kind of feel you can do it from? A- far
3: i mean i have but i just at this point in my career i don't think it would benefit me a ton because i still i don't, I don't want to fish every day i think it's like when i'm there i'm ready to fish dark till dark 16 hours a day like i'm jacked up and i think if you fish every day like you lose that motivation a little bit so i want that drive and that fire but i do need to fish more but i think for us you know with the schedules we have fishing full-time on the elite series i mean it's the same question like everybody's oh i have a fish biting on saint Clair, you catch them like i haven't fished a day at home in like six months you know you just <laughs> don't have the time You get rolling in the season, you got to be here, you got sponsor obligations, you got to go to this lake and scout, you got to look here, so I don't think living down south, it's really going to help me a ton. You know, I just think I need to spend more time down there, but it's getting to different bodies of water, which I'm going to have to drive to anyway, as opposed to just being, you know, located down there, I guess.
1: (laughs) Makes perfect sense. I think a lot of people don't really grasp the uh, schedule of a professional angler and how crazy it is. They think, oh, well, they just must go out and fish every day, but fishing every day is part of it. But at the same time, if you fished every day for 30 days in a row, you would like be done for the next two months. You wouldn't want to go again. It's like anything. You've got to keep that fire burning. And sometimes it can be tough to keep it burning, especially when you have a tough day here or there. But when you're doing well, it seems easy, right? It's like, hey, man, that's no problem. What do you mean? Why was it so difficult for you? It just bit, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's, when it's easy, it's, man, you yeah. want to be
3: on the water every minute. But when it's tough, like you said, 30 days in a row can seem like two years. And it's not like other people where you're thinking, oh, they're having a beer and having a campfire fishing for five or six hours hours a day. I mean, if it's light out at 5, you're up at 4 o'clock. It's dark at 9. You fish from 5 till 9. 16 hour days in the sun, rain, wind, whatever it is. That's a lot of work, you know, even if you love fishing.
1: (laughs) That's right. Good stuff, Chad. We've got several questions that came in through our Facebook and through our email address, supportofbassedge.com. So we're going to knock out two of these today. So we're going to move into the O'Reilly Auto Parts, Better Parts, Better Prices, Everyday Listener Question Segment. The first one comes from Stephen Chang. And Steven asks when fishing jigs in heavy cover or any technique that requires a solid hook set how do you set the drag on your bait casting reel locked all the way down for good hook penetration or does that cause your line to dig into the reel and create kinks that could hamper you later in the fishing day I'm not
3: so much worried about kinks because um, a lot of that
1: you know when your you are on that kind of cover you're we're changing our line you
3: know around every event but the big thing is you know having it set right and I guess if we're fishing braid I'll have it hinged all the way down because there's no chance that that fish is going to pull and cause my line to break. But if I'm throwing 20-pound fluorocarbon or flipping with 22, I don't want it to be crammed all the way down because every once in a while, you know, something eats right at the boat or you happen to be flipped to something close and you're throwing, a, uh, you know, any rod between seven and eight feet and you've only got 20-pound fluorocarbon and you have your drag all the way down and a flipping stick and you get a bite close to the boat, you could break your line pretty easily if it was a large fish, you know, pulling the other way. So I'd rather... In that case, I'd want it to slip a little bit. I mean, like I said, you, you don't want it. There's a fine line because you, you want to be able to get a good hook set, but you definitely don't want to have a floral card all the way buttoned down because you hook the right fish close to the boat, that could break your heart and you know cause a little line pop.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a great answer to uh, Stephen's question. The second question, another good one here from Jamie Watson. And Jamie asks, what are good things to eat the night before a tournament that are good for energy and easy on the stomach? So I'm assuming beer is probably not part of that answer.
3: Beer is probably not part of it. I should be really good at this because my, uh, my future wife here is a dietitian, so hopefully I'll be getting better at this. But uh, big thing is, mean, you got to have energy. Like, you burn so many calories throughout the day, so you got to be, you know, well-rested and have some energy. We like to have a, a good variety of foods, too, fruits and vegetables. You know, salad's big, but you got to have – I love meat, and I, you know, I love carbohydrates, which, you know, carbohydrates are pretty awesome. It gives you good stamina throughout the day. So, like, we eat a lot of uh, sweet potatoes, and, you know, we're eating a lot of fish and stuff to stay healthy. And the big thing, too, is having the Road Mom uh, brand's future wife, uh, Miss Tiffany McCall. she takes care of us. And my, my girlfriend Mel helps out over there, and they, they help cook. And that makes a big difference, man, when you don't have to come back exhausted and cook dinner like it's it, dinner is ready. And eating healthy and you can get to bed earlier that that's just that's been a big help too so if you got that uh possibility i mean i would uh Definitely uh, roll
1: with that if you have a chance to. <laughs> That's a great team right there for sure. And and I think anytime you know, a wife or, or girlfriend can help support whatever goals are that the angler has, it's, it makes it great for the whole team and just makes working together that much more fun and exciting. And when you have success, everybody has success. So it just uh, exactly. creates more an awesome environment. So sounds like you and Brandon got some great things going on. And uh, happy for both you guys and uh, looking forward to seeing continued success from you. That was a great set of listener questions. Thank you, Stephen and Jamie, for sending those in to us here at Bass Edge Radio. Contact us through our Facebook or email us support at BassEdge.com to receive your O'Reilly Auto Parts gift cards. And just a
2: reminder, when you send in that address, we will get that sent out to you. But also keep those questions coming. We have been overwhelmed with all the listener questions, and you can simply do that through the website BassEdge.com and have a shot at winning that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card or email us support at BassEdge dot com or certainly through all of the Facebook, Twitter and Instagram accounts. Chad, once again it was a pleasure having you here on Bass Edge Radio. Anything you want to leave us with as we begin to close this down?
3: If you want to fish full time work hard, you have a good plan and dude, it's possible if you look at a lot of the like, brand winning angles of the year, I mean he, he said it like we all have dreams and everybody's got a different route but the one thing in common that everybody's route have uh, is busting their butt. It does not happen with you getting a lucky sponsor deal overnight and, and then you're just there, I mean, it's continuously getting things done for the sponsors you work for on the water, off the water, your job at home, whatever it is, it all comes together, but you just got to keep grinding.
1: That's good stuff, Chad. We're going to send you off with our little segment four last questions for you. Ice fishing, yes or no?
3: Yes, for sure, but it's different. We're relaxing and maybe having a cocktail We're just kind of kicking back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In the winter, NHL or NFL?
3: Played hockey all my life, but I love watching football. Go Lions. We won last night. All right, that was my next
1: question. Bears or lions? I guess you got that one.
3: <laughs> yes, lions all day long. I liked them when we were 0 and 16, and I really like them now, so yes.
1: Lions. <laughs> all right. What's the last picture you took with your phone? The uh, last picture I took with my phone?
3: Uh, I have my bachelor party this weekend. It is appropriate. It was at a bar, and it was a group shot of us having a drink
1: at a bar, a sports bar. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Chad. Congratulations on your uh, upcoming new relationship there with uh, with the wifey and. And uh, that'll be really exciting as well so i uh, appreciate you being here on bass edge radio man it's uh, great to follow your career and uh, always fun to talk to you no
3: problem guys thanks for having me and uh, hopefully uh we don't have, have that same open conversation again in years to come maybe it can be hey you crushed on the elite series that would be a good <laughs> conversation
1: to have. <laughs> <laughs> we look forward to it buddy bass edge radio will return right after this message
2: certainly good to have chad pipkins back on the line and you know one of the things kurt that stood out episode before episode 265 with jason williamson we asked him you asked him directly concerning horizontal versus vertical presentation in the fall of the year chad certainly alluded to the exact same thing sounds like we have a theme going in an agreement that this time of year Kind of needs to be moving laterally through the water column.
1: Yeah, no question. You know, this conversation actually came up several weeks ago while I was out in California. And, um, you know, this was a a conversation I had with an angler friend of mine with Hayabusa. And and he was talking about how in a lot of situations that in Japan, they – really concentrate on those horizontal presentations versus vertical presentations in the fall. And and I started thinking about that. And that's why I posed that question to Jason. And now we hear it again through Chad. And I think a lot of that is because of that shad the bait fish and and the bass being really keyed up on them this time of year but i really feel like too again it's a simplification of the fishing process you know essentially if we know that there are certain traits or behaviors that the fish are utilizing in a seasonal pattern we need to be able to capitalize on that and really focus our efforts in trying to work Those types of techniques And that horizontal presentation Is definitely seems to be super key It was key with Jason Key with Chad Some of our conversation As as we reiterated with our last episode And uh, certainly it was key With my buddy And his thought process On fall fishing as well So Bass Edge listeners Make sure you keep that in mind That vertical presentation is good Especially when it starts to get colder But a horizontal presentation presentation Presentation, when I say colder, I mean real colder, like moving more into winter, that horizontal presentation this time of year is a key presentation to get more strikes, to cover more water, and come into contact with more bass. Yeah, no
2: doubt, and it's hard to believe it's not going to be that much longer, and we will uh, probably in the next few episodes start to transition into those type of discussions and type of talks. But uh, in the meantime, speaking of transitioning, we've got to transition towards the exit door because we are out of time. Thanks so much for tuning in, Bass Edge Radio, yet again. We encourage you to send in those listener questions through our Facebook, Twitter, social media, Instagram, the website, you name it. It's out there. Get engaged, some cool stuff going on for Kurt Dove. I am Aaron Martin and we will see you next episode November 1st everybody. So long. Have a great week.
0: is presented by Megaware KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dubb and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.